So, Sam, is Sound of Freedom a good movie? (laughs) Uh, No. It's not. (laughs) Very, very definitive there. Sam Adams is a senior editor at Slate. I called him up to talk about the summer's most unlikely blockbuster, Sound of Freedom. This movie opened up in about half as many theaters as Indiana Jones, but nearly beat Indy at the box office. It's very uh, what, what the kids would call mid. People seem to be eating it up, though. Um, well, people, yeah, people are, you know, certain people are really liking it. I think people are sending a political message by seeing this movie. The political message of Sound of Freedom is the other reason I called up Sam. Because from the outside, it's a little unclear what that message is. The movie itself is about child sex abuse. It dramatizes the story of a Homeland Security agent who leaves government to, in his words, rescue kids from human trafficking. But this plot, it's become inseparable from the movie's controversial fans. They're the famous ones, like Elon Musk and Ivanka Trump. And then there are the less famous ones, the neo-Nazis and QAnon influencers. So I asked Sam, how has this movie managed to cultivate so much alt-right notoriety? You know, it has more to do with a kind of like cloud of things that circling around it, including uh, the movie star Jim Caviezel, um, who is using the press tour to like go on Steve Bannon's podcast and talk about how, you know, like barrels of baby blood are being sold on the international black market. Yeah, you heard that right. And Sam is not even exaggerating. So Sam looked around at all this and did what any critic would do in his situation. He got a ticket to see what all the hype was about. If you'd know nothing about it going in, would you have suspected there was anything different about this movie or the people who are going to go watch it? I mean, I saw it at a you know AMC in suburban New Jersey on a Friday night. It was a very normal atmosphere in some ways. I mean, people had you know giant sodas and popcorn, um, but it really wasn't until um, the main character, uh, played by Jim Caviezel sort of utters that the tagline of the film, which is God's children are not for sale. And there was a chorus of amens that went through the theater at that point. Um, And that is not, um, I don't get that at a lot of screenings. We'll put it that way. I mean, the critic at The Guardian called Sound of Freedom a QAnon adjacent thriller that's seducing America. Do you think that characterization is fair? I I do think it's fair. I mean, it's tricky because the movie itself um, has no nods to QAnon whatsoever. Um, There's no way of knowing sort of who's just there because um, they like a movie where the hero quotes the book of Matthew at a bad guy before locking him up. Um, And whether they believe this much more sort of insane fringe stuff. But it, it lends itself to being attached to QAnon type beliefs, I guess I would I would call them. Today on the show, how this crowdfunded movie cultivated a right-wing fan base and sold a whole lot of tickets in the process. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To understand Sound of Freedom, you need to understand the real person the movie's based on, Tim Ballard. Ballard has made a name for himself, particularly within conservative circles, as an anti-child trafficking hero. He worked in the Department of Homeland Security for a while before starting Operation Underground Railroad, his own anti-trafficking organization. He was also appointed by President Trump to an advisory council to end human trafficking. Ballard's gotten his fair share of criticism. He's known for spewing statistics on child trafficking that many experts see as inflated. And his organization seems to focus on publicity as much as anything, splicing together footage from raids they conduct and posting them online. Tim Ballard is is someone who I think has really styled himself in real life as a sort of as a kind of action hero crusader his organization operation underground railroad stages these vigilante raids where they go in and, and bust pedophiles they do it on camera and they put it up on youtube but they've really been criticized by people who have been um trying to fight uh human trafficking child sex trafficking for much longer um that these methods are not only ineffective but in some cases even counterproductive you know these are methods that are organized for sort of short-term effectiveness and uh, on-camera heroics and not really dealing with the root problems of why people end up getting trafficked. Um, So he does, you know, it's a very sort of satisfying in a kind of vigilante action movie kind of way. I mean, he's somebody who was kind of making his own movie before they made a movie about him. And just the plot of this story, it's really about his quest to help one little girl. Is that right? Yes, he is a, a Homeland Security agent sort of hunting pedophiles in the U.S. Because you can sell a bag of cocaine one time with a child five to ten times a day. God's children are not for sale. So he, he arrests this one guy and sort of conducts a sting operation, poses as a fellow pedophile to convince him to have this um, young Honduran boy imported into the U.S. for sex. Um busts them, rescues this boy, but then the boy says, hey, you know, they also have my sister. Um, And Homeland Security, the government, the U.S. government says, look, our hands are tied. This is a different country. So then he has to go rogue on like a classic 80s action hero. We're Homeland Security. You know, we can't go off rescuing Honduran kids in Colombia. Which means she'll disappear for good. Um, And go down to the country and sort of save this girl. How did someone decide to make a movie about this guy? Uh, it's been in the works. For, I mean, they, they started writing it in 2015. Sort of what happened is it was made for Fox in completed in 2018, I believe slated for a 2019 release. Then Disney bought Fox um, and they put it on the shelf. Um, for the people who are supporting this movie, that is, you know, yet another indicator of this sort of Hollywood elitist conspiracy to downplay the threat of child sex trafficking. You could just as easily say that, like, you know, Disney's a sort of major studio corporation and this sort of, you know, low to mid-budget non-genre, non-franchise action thriller is just not, that's like not what movie studios release in theaters anymore. They're just, they're pretty much totally out of that business. You mean they're trying to keep them from me? 
<laughs> yes, yes, they are. They're trying to put them on, uh, hide them in places like uh, Netflix and Hulu, where it's impossible to see them. Eventually, after Disney dropped it, the movie got picked up by Angel Studios. Who are they? Uh, Angel Studios bills themselves as sort of, I think the phrase on their website is sort of the leading alternative to Hollywood. Right now, they are, you know, just an, an upstart studio, um, sort of equity VC financed um, that is going after this uh, faith based market. And um, that's the strategy they used to buy this movie back from Fox and get it released. They did a, I think they had 700 uh, crowdfunding members giving as little as $10 to get it back, um, which is, um, I guess, a good way to sort of spread out your investment. But also, I think it's really smart because it gives so much of what makes this movie, um, has made this movie a success, is that people really feel sort of literally and metaphorically invested in its success. Yeah, it creates an audience. Yeah, I mean, the, the people who gave money to see this movie in theaters, they are like, they are attached to it now, in a way. And um you know, really started to make news when it opened on the 4th of July um, and beat Indiana Jones for that one day. And part of the reason it did that, I mean, there were a lot of sold out screenings all over the country, but it's also because um, at the end of the movie, Jim Caviezel, the star, comes on screen and sort of talks about the importance of the movie and introduces what they call a, the pay it forward program, which is where you can, you know, scan a QR code off the screen and buy tickets for other people in advance, people who purportedly might not be able to afford it or whatever. So it is really giving that audience a sense of belonging that I, you know, I think that conventional movie releasing just isn't doing at this point. Let's talk about where it gets more problematic. And I really think you know, we've talked about Tim Ballard and how he's doing these operations and that are problematic themselves. He's connected to Donald Trump. But I really think with this film, the problematicness revolves around its star, Jim Caviezel. You've talked about him a little bit. Can you just explain how over the last few weeks he's emerged and what he's saying in the promotion of this movie and why <laughs> it was so alarming to so many people? Yes. You know, the movie is a is a very straightforward thing about uh, children being trafficked for sex and rescued from the clutches of evil pedophiles. Um, it's sort of classic action movie style. Um, that's all it is. What is being tacked onto that, especially through Jim Caviezel and the promotional um, appearance he's making for this movie, he is a well-known um public sort of advocate of QAnon and those sorts of beliefs. He is someone who believes that children are trafficked not for sex, but because so their body parts can be rendered into these magical substances, which the ultra wealthy use to make themselves sort of functionally immortal. He calls it the adrenochrome empire. Yes, exactly. So so everybody seeing this movie knows that. They know who Jim Caviezel is. They know that those are Jim Caviezel's beliefs. He is using his press tour for this movie to talk about them further. And what the movie does is I think it just sort of leaves room for that to um, be a possibility. It, it just, you know, the movie stirs up a lot of concern, some of it legitimate, some of it hysterical. I mean, it paints this very um, sort of very frightening and often inaccurate um, picture of like how child sex trafficking happens. You know, it's, it gets people really worked up about that. And then when they're in that heightened state, in comes Jim Caviezel, who you know is going to tell you, you know, is out there telling you the real truth about what's being done to these children. And I think that emotion kind of attaches itself to him. Hmm. Well, and he went on, as you said, Steve Bannon's podcast to promote the movie. And I feel like when you're doing that, 
it's clear what audience you're trying to reach, who you're trying to activate. Yes, right. And I think that is a sort of wink and a nod understanding between the film and its audience. Um, and, I, you know, again, I mean, I, there's no way of knowing sort of what percentage of the audience that, that, that is. And I think it's probably pretty small in some cases. I don't think that the you know, the theater I went to in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, a county that went two for one for Biden in 2020. Um, I don't think that theater was necessarily crammed full of QAnon adherence, but I think it is um, basically a movie and a sort of a, certainly the whole cloud of stuff around it kind of gives aid and comfort to those sorts of beliefs. After the break, does Sound of Freedom mean QAnon is on the rise? After talking to Sam Adams, I had a whole bunch of questions, not so much about Sound of Freedom, but about the conspiracy theories this movie seemed to be breathing new life into. So I got The Washington Post's Will Sommer on the line. He's written a book about the rise of QAnon. It's called Trust the Plan. He laid out the group's origin story. So in 2017, this figure, online figure named Q pops up and starts issuing these clues um, that are really picked up by Trump supporters. And they think, in, in short, that it lays out a world um, where world elites torture children in sexual satanic rituals and drink their blood. Um, and that someday there's going to be sort of a, a Trump fascist takeover uh, and that all, all of these, these villains in the Democratic Party and banking, all this kind of stuff, will eff- effectively be executed. Um, but, but they like that. Um, and so, so QAnon, kind of the, the high moment of QAnon was during the Trump administration. And they were really shaken when Trump left office because he was so key, him being president was so key to their, their vision of the future. Um, but we're seeing, especially as we head into 2024 and as we see Donald Trump uh, gear up to run for president again, we're seeing uh, that, that QAnon, I think, is coming back. And I think Sound of Freedom is helping to fuel that. You've mentioned this QAnon resurgence. Can you just tell me what that looks like because i'm not sure i've seen it yet sure i mean you know i i think we can we can look at it in all sorts of different ways i mean we can look at it uh in the the broader um anti-lgbt backlash uh this idea that uh there is like a a sort of nefarious national or global plot to molest children i think we wouldn't be looking at a lot of that language if it weren't for QAnon. donald trump is posting QAnon memes all the time on true social pictures of himself wearing q buttons um and just anecdotally uh, Sound of Freedom, uh, the article I, I wrote here at the Washington Post, uh, provoked and, and other articles about the, the movie elsewhere, has provoked this kind of like real like halcyon days of old QAnon type backlash. I mean, just the the waves of harassment and 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 negative tweets and I mean stuff that's not that serious, but but it, it really takes me back to the old days of QAnon, where I I think it kind of has a the gang getting back together feel to it. You've said that even though this movie isn't exactly about QAnon. In fact, it does not mention QAnon, any of that. The context is important. Why is that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, so the the idea of this rampant sex trafficking is is really key to the QAnon mythos. I mean, they think that people like Hillary Clinton and Tom Hanks and George Soros are all uh, essentially drinking children's blood and, and these children are sex trafficked. Um, and that might seem kind of like a non sequitur here, but it's relevant because Jim Caviezel, the the star of the film, um, is appears to be based on his statements. I mean, a pretty hardcore QAnon believer, and he also thinks that Tim Ballard, the guy he 
plays in the movie uh, is a sort of a hero in in QAnon. And so, um, you know, Sound of Freedom's defenders will say, well, this movie isn't about QAnon. And, and if you only go on what you see in the movie theater, that's true. Um, Jim Caviezel, however, among other people, is certainly convinced that this is a QAnon movie. Like Sam Adams, Will says it's especially shocking the way Jim Caviezel seems totally bought into the idea that somehow elites are draining kids' adrenal glands. Will first heard Caviezel talk about all this back in 2021. Caviezel was appearing at a QAnon-adjacent convention to talk about Sound of Freedom. Yeah, I, I was there. It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he gave a speech. And I said, well, you know, this is already, this is like kind of a qanon thing, but, you know, maybe it is just about this anti-sex trafficking effort. And then Caviezel gets up there and he says, look, this Tim Ballard guy, he's stopping children from being adrenochromed. It's the worst horror I've ever seen is screaming alone, even if I never, ever, ever, ever saw it. Uh, and the crowd goes wild, thousands of people. It's uh, This is one of the best films I've ever done in my life. Um, but I think that really shows the fact that Jim Caviezel is talking so casually about this. It really shows how deep he is in, in into this whole movement, that he's not just like, oh, yeah, I heard about this QAnon thing. I mean, he's saying he's like, they're drinking the blood in the satanic ritual, stuff like that. How have you seen this kind of, I don't know, I, I guess I'd call it paranoid thinking, like in terms of the release of Sound of Freedom. Like, I, I know there was this one case of... The AC was out in the theater, so the theater refunded people's tickets, and it prompted a whole TikTok conspiracy about what was going on there. Like, did you see that and think like, oh, okay, the gears are back in motion? I I, I really did, yeah. I mean, um, and and so this this was a, a popular t- a TikTok that got a lot of circulation. Is these women leaving Sound of Freedom, and they said, well, we were going to go see Sound of Freedom, um, and then the AMC canceled our the theater chain canceled our tickets shortly beforehand with no explanation. So we showed up anyway, and they said, well, yeah, the AC is out, uh, so we figured you wouldn't want to see the movie, and we said, well, we'll we'll still go see it. Um, hmm. And so we saw it on a Friday night. There was air conditioning in the lobby. There was air conditioning in the hallways. There was air conditioning in the bathrooms, not the theaters. I smell something stinky. And so rather than I think what the average person would say was, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like I guess the AC broke. This became kind of a a larger conspiracy about, oh, you know, I think they they broke the AC or or just lied and canceled our tickets because they don't want people knowing the truth about Sound of Freedom. So this idea, there's this, I'm going to paraphrase here, but there's this academic definition of a conspiracy theory that everything is connected and nothing is a coincidence. Um, And so in this way, like, and we see this, this sort of thinking more broadly in the, in the conservative movement right now, that anything that happens, it's not that, uh, you know, happenstance or these various systems and all these kind of the, the, the various causes and effects of the world. It's that, you know, if the AC's out, it's because there's a nefarious hand at play. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like you're saying this film is creating like a high school reunion kind of environment for people who are true <laughs> believers. You know, I think that's true. I think we're, um, we're we're seeing sort of some unity between what you might consider like a hardcore QAnon believer and the, these QAnon leaders online, and then people who are more kind of like mainstream Republican figures who are using Sound of Freedom as sort of an opportunity to say, uh, oh, why are these liberals so upset about sex trafficking? And of course, really, it's not that, you know, it's the sex trafficking aspect. It's just pointing out that I think that, um, that Jim Caviezel appears to be a, a pretty devoted QAnon believer. 
Hmm. As someone who's studied QAnon and conspiracy theories kind of more generally, is this how they stick around with events like this movie? Yeah, I I think it gives them a lot of, um, you know, it'll give them some new energy. I mean, I think because QAnon's ideas are so ridiculous and that the anyone who believes in QAnon is being told, no matter how conservative of a milieu you're in, is being told by a lot of people in your life that that's ridiculous, that's so stupid, whatever. Um, and they're they're really, at the same time for them, it's like the most important thing in the world. And so it drives them crazy that people won't recognize this uh, and recognize QAnon's legitimacy. So you have to have these moments where it is it does feel recognized and validated. Um, and so in this case, you know, it's, uh, having a movie like this that uh, while in the movie itself they don't say QAnon's real, but you have the this successful movie star saying this. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is the kind of thing that really reinforces it. When I talk to people who have lost family members to QAnon, they say that these moments are kind of what drives them craziest because then their Q-pilled or QAnon-addled relative will now say to them, well, look, if QAnon was fake, I don't think a successful movie star like Jim Caviezel would be promoting it, now would he? I guess the question I'm, I'm kind of curious about is if this movie is creating a kind of high school reunion environment for QAnon believers, why is that a problem? Like, does it concern you? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we have to put these things in perspective. I mean, I, I don't think this is like a January 6th level event. I think um, that it is it is something to, to keep an eye on, and especially amid, I think, what is a larger uh, QAnon resurgence and, and the far right more broadly. But but I think the uh, the, the, the sound, sound of Freedom, I mean, it's a little tricky because when you see it, 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 as we've discussed, it's not officially like a QAnon movie. And so I think a lot of people will see it and go, okay, that was like an action movie. All right. And they'll go home and, you know, that's it. Um, but I think for some people, I, I, particularly the way Jim Caviezel has been casting this movie, I think it's reasonable to expect that that it will be sort of a uh, a recruitment vector for QAnon. Hmm. When does concern about a movie like Sound of Freedom cross over to being paranoia. And I ask that because I think there's been, I've seen both things, right? I've seen people saying like, whoa, this is very QAnon adjacent. It's problematic. And then I've seen people like, oh, these liberals are so triggered (laughs) by this movie. And why can't they just get over it? So I guess for you, how do you draw that line? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm taking it in stride personally. (laughs) Just from my perspective as someone who's been following QAnon for a while, it is just pretty remarkable to me that a movie that is successful enough to be rivaling and possibly beating, depending on who you believe, um, an Indiana Jones sequel at the box office that I think had you know maybe twenty times the budget uh, is you know you have the star of that movie saying uh, yeah world elites drink children's blood and uh, you know QAnon is great and and all these other kind of things. I mean I, you know that alone I, I think it's a it's an interesting thing and I think um, you know when you put QAnon in the context of, you know, what it is, which is essentially, um, you know, a sort of proto-fascist group that has uh, murdered people and and participated in January 6th and all these other things. I, th- I think it's interesting. And I think it's worth noting um, when you have uh, the star of a movie who is a sort of a QAnon devotee and, and that movie is doing very successfully. Will, I'm super grateful for your time for joining the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Will Sommer is a media reporter over at The Washington Post. He's also the author of Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy that Unhinged America. 
Sam Adams, who you heard at the top of the show, he is a senior editor for Slate. All right, that's the show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. I'm handing the reins off to Lizzie O'Leary and the What Next TBD crew for now. I will be back in this feed bright and early on Monday. Catch you then.